Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing Eurozone government bonds and interest rates. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined today by Alberto Tellero, Portfolio Manager. Welcome, Alberto, and thanks for joining me. Hi, Daniel. Thank you very much for having me. Alberto, if we kind of take a view of global growth currently, I think one of the key surprises this year has probably been more how strong growth has been in the U.S. as opposed to necessarily how weak growth has been in the Eurozone. I think arguably that was more or less expected. I think we appreciate that in the Eurozone, of course, you had probably a bigger negative impact on growth from the energy shocks. I guess both U.S. and Europe have had to deal with all the disruptions of the pandemic, but the U.S. has had the benefit of several trillion dollars in stimulus, Inflation Reduction Act, all these things that have really boosted growth. Great for the U.S., arguably not so great for the Eurozone. Number one, arguably as a consequence of all that stimulus, we have Treasury yields around 5%. And you imagine that there's at least some spillover then from U.S. to Eurozone rates, meaning you have Eurozone rates higher than they might have been if you hadn't had the U.S. fiscal stimulus, but Eurozone doesn't necessarily get that money. So they haven't benefited, but they've suffered some of the costs. And arguably, it's even a bit worse as as far as the European Central Bank might be concerned, because you do see European companies investing actually more in the U.S. to take advantage of some of those tax breaks and not investing in Europe. So a challenging environment. Of course, we have all the geopolitical concerns. And if anything, those worries are geographically at least a bit closer to Europe than they are to the U.S. So interesting environment for you as a portfolio manager. Could you share with us, Alberto, what your view is on the macroeconomic situation and outlook in the Eurozone currently? Yeah, thank you, Daniel. So indeed, we have a challenging environment for the Eurozone in in terms of growth. It's an interesting one, I would say. So if we look at the recent data for retail sales or industrial production, they point clearly towards a deterioration of the economic activity. And we look at GDP numbers recently published for various countries of the Eurozone. What is interesting to see is that we have two differentiated blocks within the Eurozone. So those countries that are more dependent on Germany, and hence they are actually close to a technical rotation or at a technical rotation, such as Austria or Italy. And then we have other countries that are less dependent on Germany, and they are showing actually strong domestic demand, strong spending, which is surprising to the upside. Now, something that I've been doing since 2022 is looking at the micro level, so margins for companies. So in my mind, you know, a recession in the absence of external shocks or a banking crisis is really as simple as a domino of companies that are failing to pay their bills. So actually, thanks to the reopening of the economies, companies have made so much money that their margins have been boosted to all-time record highs levels, and hence they have a larger cushion to weather adverse economic shocks, meaning that this time around, they're feeling less restrictive monetary tightening policy that we have right now. So if I put everything together, what I expect for the coming quarters is a quite sluggish economic activity because of the fact that the full impact of monetary policy tightening is yet to be felt in the economy. Well, that's actually a bit disconcerting when you say that, Alberto, if we haven't yet seen 
the full impact of the monetary policy tightening that we've already had over the last year or so. But as you say, Germany and countries that have greater economic links with Germany are flirting with recession. It doesn't seem to present a particularly good picture. At the same time, we know inflation is still a pretty big worry or certainly a big worry for the ECB. How do you see ECB monetary policy? How are they trying to balance, on one hand, you know, trying to keep growth as good as possible, but at the same time, trying to get inflation back down to target? Sure. So the ECB continues to be focused 100% on bringing inflation down to percent, which is really their only mandate. So the recent data for inflation is being surprising to the downside, which is positive news, obviously. And they've been surprising to the downside more than what this market expected and more than what the ECB was expecting. So I believe the ECB is done hiking rates in this hiking cycle. However, we need to focus on what the ECB will do in the coming quarters. So I believe something very interesting to look at is the forecast for the ECB in terms of inflation that we will have in December. Why? Because we will have inflation for 2025, but also for 2026. So in the forecast that the ECB published in September, they already had inflation for 2025 at 2.1%. So if we take into account the recent data on inflation that surprised to the downside, those forecasts, I believe they should be revised as well to the downside. Now, if we have a look at what they could present for 2026, I believe that they could have already inflation at 2% or even below 2%, maybe at 1.9% mean that that could give the market some color on when this week could be actually cutting rates into uh, next year. And I believe the ECB can be cutting rates into the second half of next year, not because growth will be weak, but because the ECB will realize that they no longer need restrictive rates to bring inflation down to the target of 2% in the medium term. So this is the first part of the story. The second part of the story is what's going on on the balance sheet. Now, members of the ECB, they've been very vocal in saying, that they should ramp up the slowdown of our investment under their bond buying programs. And I believe that's coming into the pipeline and it will be probably announced in the first quarter of 2024. Now, what I think is that uh, the ECB should announce that is low down of reinvestments as soon as possible. Why? Because they would not like to, you know, be in reducing the balance sheet at the same time when they could be actually cutting rates. That would be difficult to use to justify for markets. So all in all, balance sheet that will continue to be reduced to the downside and will continue to put pressure at the long enough EGB's curve, so Euro government bonds curves. I mentioned earlier the fact that you have U.S. interest rates, 10-year treasury yields getting around 5%, and that at least partly a consequence of the fiscal stimulus that you've had, or at least the strong growth from the fiscal stimulus. At the same time, there's a view that the higher rates simply reflect worries about fiscal sustainability. People have noticed that the U.S. has a quite large budget deficit these days. Even though the economy is growing, clearly debt levels are higher, and the cost of financing that debt's higher as well. Now, that brings us perhaps to Europe when we look, for example, at Italy. And we all recall uh, discussions we had in the past about debt levels for some countries in Europe and debt sustainability and so on. Is that something we should be worried about? What do you think when you look at Italy? Yeah, so if we talk about Europe and governments, we need to talk about Italy. Italy has been in the spotlight for the last couple of months on the back of, you know, several factors that have uh, triggered a widening of 10-year spreads versus Germany. So 10-year yield 
for Italian bonds versus German bonds. Those factors have been actually quite negative and weighing negatively on yields for Italy. The first factor being, uh, you know, the deterioration of the macro backdrop for Italy once the government have uh, removed the fiscal support that they have announced to tackle the energy crisis and so on. We have as well the government announcing fiscal deficit that are actually larger than what the market expected. So, for example, for 2023, we have a deficit of fiscal deficit of 5.3 percent, and for 2024, a deficit at 4.3 So, actually, larger than what the market was expecting. And also, something very important: the government is showing some sort of unwillingness, really, to a fiscal consolidate the Italian accounts, and that's some part of why, uh, one part of the explanation why markets are worrying about. Italian government bonds. Also, we've seen that the domestic support for Italian government bonds that we've seen through the first half of the year is no longer there. So, uh, you know, those factors are those that um, justify the widening of spreads, 40 basis points to the rise to reach a level of 200 basis points, a spread level versus Germany. Now, I think that all those factors are already priced in and in the absence of negative news or positive news, the spread should trade in a range. So we have a various rating agencies coming up in the pipeline, revising the rating for Italy. I believe they are not going to revise downward the rating, neither they will do to the upside. So in the status quo that we have currently, I think the spreads should range between 180 basis points and 220 basis points. Now, where I'm worried is facing the wave of supply that we will have in 2024. And that will be really the main challenge for Italian government bonds. Again, in a situation where the government shows unwillingness really to reduce meaningfully the fiscal deficit. You mentioned supply bonds, and you know clearly we've talked about you know, several factors that are driving bond yield, Jewish treasury yields, inflation, policy rates, and so on. But another factor clearly is supply and demand. When you think about issuance of Eurozone government bonds in the year ahead, and then on the other hand, the demand for those bonds on the part of investors, how do you see that balance and what are the implications of that in your mind for interest rates? Yes, I think that's one of the main, if not the main topic for government bonds in developed countries, but of course for European government bonds as well. So we are going from a world of quantitative easing to a wall of quantitative tightening, meaning that the main buyer of government bonds will no longer be there, which been central banks and in particular the ECB for the European government market. So if we look at the easy part of the equation, which is supply, supply will continue to be actually quite heavy into 2024 with levels similar to those that we've had in 2023, meaning that we will have a level of supply of net supply, so taking out redemptions plus quantitative tightening by the ECB of around 600 billion euros of net supply into 2024. Now, if we now tackle the difficult part of the equation, which is the demand side of the equation, now we have more problems and there is where my concerns come from. So if we go through the various investors that could be buying bonds, so we have from one side, we have insurers and we have pensions. I mean, they've been suffering outflows the whole year, 2023, because of, you know, clients reallocating their assets from, you know, insurance products to money market products. And they, you know, they have cash 
that they use to cover those outflows and they don't have appetite to buy duration. Now, if we look at asset managers, they are already leaning long duration and the level of cash is actually quite low. If we look at, for example, hedge funds, they you know, trade the market via derivatives. So it's not really a big contributor in terms of cash flows into the market. Now we have another two players into the market. The first one being official institutions that we just mentioned that they are going from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening. So no longer buying that much bonds. And then we have domestic banks. Now, domestic banks, they have cash, enough cash to absorb supply into 2024. However, they swap their purchases into the primary market, meaning that they will not contribute really strongly to duration when buying bonds. So we need to look at other corners of the economy, other players that will be or that could be buying bonds into 2024. And now we need to look at retail market and households. So we've seen in 2023 a lot of support from those corners of the economy with households really increasing their allocation to fixed income via uh, purchasing of, of BTF. And then the retail market also has been very, very active with retail bonds being issued by various countries such as Italy and Belgium that have been actually great success for them. So I believe, you know, we will still have demand from retail in 2024. The question is how much and will it be enough to buy this wave of supply? And I have concerns that it may not be enough and that we will need something else to buy that supply. So we could have this situation of a hard landing scenario, meaning a more significant crisis, enhancing investors of multi-asset portfolios reallocating from risky assets, meaning selling risky assets to buy fixed income. That could be one of the sources of demand into 2024. Thank you very much, Alberto. If I could summarize some of the key points that you made, you did acknowledge that there has been a deceleration in growth and disappointing growth in the Eurozone, but you noted that there is a distinction between those countries that are more closely tied to Germany, where growth has been weak, and those that are less dependent, where growth has been a bit more robust. If we think about the ECB then, you highlighted that the ECB is really just focused on inflation. They don't have the dual mandate of the unemployment rate the way the Fed does. But the good news is, at least more recently, the inflation data has come in better than expected, and we're seeing a slowdown, even if admittedly we have a ways to go. But as a result of the slowdown that we are seeing in inflation, you don't expect the ECB to hike rates any further, and you're looking for cuts in the second half of next year. Well, Alberto, thank you very much for joining me. Great. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. Viewpoint brings commentary and analysis in a variety of formats, from investment outlooks to asset allocation videos and podcasts, to help investors make better informed decisions. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Alberto Tellero. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.